Welcome to a conversation powered by Connected Learning, where we chat with some of today's leading minds about new learning approaches designed for the demands and opportunities of the digital age. Connected Learning values the new ways many young people today access information, gain expertise, and learn alongside peers and mentors using the internet, social networks, and digital technology. We're excited you're here to join the conversation as we seek to make learning relevant. Hello, everyone. This is the Connected Learning Alliance podcast. I am Jeff Brazil with the Connected Learning Alliance. And today we are talking with uh, Connie Yao about Connected Learning and specifically the nearly decade long effort that Connie has led at the MacArthur Foundation to reimagine learning in the digital age. Connie, thanks for taking time to be with us. My pleasure, Jeff. I'm really happy to be here. Well, let me read your official bio. A very brief version for those who don't know Connie. Connie is the Director of Education for U.S. Programs at the John D. and Catherine T. McCarthy Foundation. She also oversees the, what is now, what, $150 million program on digital media and learning. Is that correct, Connie, that number? Yes, that's yes. right. Yeah, uh, an initiative which aims to determine how digital media are changing the way young people learn, play, socialize, and participate in social life. And prior to joining the foundation, Connie conducted extensive research on the connections among educational uh, research policy and practice. And she was an associate professor at the University of Illinois, where she published scholarly work on the relationship between young people's identity, their social context, and their achievements. Now, unofficially, the people who know Connie will tell you that she is uh, one of those sort of forces of nature people, uh, just constantly connecting people and ideas towards the realization uh, of an approach to education and learning that offers every child and, and teenager the opportunity that they need and deserve, and uh, I'm very glad to be talking with you today. So Connie, let's dive in. Um, maybe we could start with your unique perspective and synopsis of just the story of the Digital Media and Learning Initiative, especially for those, um, for the benefit of those who may not be familiar with it. Sure, I'm happy to do that, uh, and, and I'll try to keep it brief. Um, it, it, as you know, Jeff, I started here at MacArthur in 2000, so I've, I'm a dinosaur in terms of how long I've been in philanthropy and, and working on education. And about, uh, and we were, you know, 2000, we were heavily invested, uh, as MacArthur has always been since its inception, in education reform. And at that time, we were, you know, very focused on district reform, doing lots of, of uh, things, uh, not unlike a, a lot of the things that are happening in public education today, I would say, around uh, teacher quality, accountability, uh, whole district change, evidence-based reform, all of that stuff in several districts. Uh, and, and seeing, you know, n not a, a, a ton of transformative change. Uh, and, my, and to their credit, my board said, uh, we think uh, we can do something better with philanthropic dollars. Uh, one of my board members, who I think I hope is is well known to this community, John Silly Brown, who's just extraordinary, uh, suggested to me, "Why don't you look over the horizon and just see if school needs to be if schools need to be better or different uh, because the next generation is growing up digital?" Uh, and so we started uh, the Digital Media and Learning Initiative in 2004 with a single question: uh, How, if at all, are young people changing? socially, in terms of how they learn and how they civically engage because of digital media. Uh, and we, it started with three grants, which I think are, are sort of important to name. One was a grant to Peter Lyman and Mimi Ito to uh, conduct what uh, is still the largest ethnographic study I think ever done in the U.S. 
on how young people participate with digital media. So we started with research. Uh, we gave a grant to Henry Jenkins, who was then at MIT, to do a conceptual paper to really help us understand the nature of participation with media. Uh, and then we gave a third grant to Nicole Pinkard to really do on-the-ground work here in Chicago to begin to design after-school programs with young people with digital media so we could start really understanding the design process and what that looks like. And those three grants with that core question uh, at the center of all three of those those projects really became the foundation for what is now a $150 million initiative. And as, as we all know, one good question can lead to others. And so we started with how are young people changing? We learned an extraordinary amount about that, which then led to, well, we're learning a ton about how young people are changing. Do we then need to start changing how we design learning environments? If we change what learning environments look like, do we need to reconceptualize and rethink our institutions? Uh, whether it's school or libraries or museums or learning institutions. And then now we're sort of really looking at our, the broader system. Uh, do we need to really rethink the entire uh, learning ecosystem? And that's really been the flow of our work, sort of uh, pushing at questions and really trying to answer those from a research perspective, from a conceptual perspective, uh, shifting paradigms, and then also from a design perspective. Uh, and, and about... 2010, you can imagine we've uh, been building a very large community of, of great scholars, designers, practitioners, uh, and we've had uh, private companies involved with us. We brought them all together and said, we've done a lot of grant making, we've done extraordinary work, but can we come together as a community and really articulate what we've learned so far? Can we cohere around an approach, and can we sort of name that approach and make sense of it in a way that is not academic, that isn't a paragraph long with a thousand commas, but can we really simply say uh, what we've learned about learning in the digital age from all of this work? And it, and it took the community about two years uh, to come together uh, around what we've learned and to put it uh, together in a framework that is, we hope, easier to understand and, and that we can talk about, and, and we now call it connected learning. So you're, it's that sort of a milestone moment. I mean, really, this has been a, um, almost what a decade-long quest. I mean, do you have big picture? Do you have a a favorite part about the work as you sort of look back and think about all the different uh, moments and opportunities and encounters and people that you've been involved with? Uh, there have been so many. Um, for me, this has been, you know, uh, as you mentioned in my bio, I come out of education. I uh, I got my PhD in the School of Education. I taught in the School of Education. Uh, and so, uh, you know, when my board brought this uh, charge to me to do the work, my first response was no. Uh, I really don't want to do that work. I don't think technology has anything to do with education or social justice, which is, I think, a part of why so many of us are in education. Um, and so there's, a, there's been, for me, there's been a, 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 such a steep learning curve. And I think some of the quintessential moments in the beginning, uh, uh, and I want to use, I don't want to be too jargony in saying that I think uh, we have helped to augment or occasion a paradigm shift in, in how we think about learning and how we think about pedagogy. And so the whole beginning of the work for us really focused as well on understanding how game designers uh, design what they do and how to really focus on youth 
uh, as the client or as the user. Um, and so, uh, folks, I think there's a, 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 a an, an ease with which people talk about wanting education to be student-centered, but that's actually, it's incredibly hard to shift from uh, adult-driven outcomes to shifting one's focus to being youth or learner-centered around engagement and holding oneself accountable to what it means to design for engagement and learning. And that really happened in the first five or six years of our work. And that, uh, that was when we brought in a ton of designers to help us understand the process of design and to really deeply, deeply understand, to shift away from traditional measures of accountability and traditional notions of how and why content matters and to really start asking questions from the perspective of, the, of design and the perspective of the user. And so that, I think, uh, was so such a fundamental shift for me as an educator and for those of us who come out of education into really reimagining what learning can look like. And, and that, for me, was, was the, the beginning of a, of a new journey. And I mean, in, in your view, Connie, what do you think the connected learning work directly addresses as far as problems or issues that are facing young people today? Yeah, and, and that's such an important question, Jeff. And, and I actually think um, one of the things I've learned from this work is I actually think the way we think about learning for young people is the same as we ought to be thinking about learning for adults. And so I come to that question in the same way that I come to the question, what are the big problems facing adults and, and that uh, learning can address? And I think there are two. And I think there are two huge problems that we're leaving for the next generation that they're just going to get stuck with and, and have to, it's, it's going to be on their shoulders to solve. One is this ever-widening economic gap uh, that our kids are facing and the kinds of skills uh, that they're going to need in order to move through that economic gap is, 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 uh, are extraordinary and we have to prepare them for it and to deal with that. And the second is that we are leaving uh, to the next generation and we will leave to the next generation a set of very complex problems, whether it has to do with climate change or whether it has to do with health or a whole set of other things. We're, they are going to be engaged in a society in which they're going to have to know how to solve and be equipped to solve complex systems-related problems. Uh, and we have to prepare them for that. Uh, and and, and it, it's not clear to me that our current educational system is prepared to do that. So people have different ways of describing the connected learning framework and, and the approach and the ideas that are part of that framework, mm -hmm. different points of emphasis. What, what do you tell people? How do you describe the, the, the approach? Yeah. Um, and and I, I hope I'm getting better at it. Uh, so I'll just say that at the beginning. Uh, I always start by saying uh, what we've always known from the research and what good teachers have always known is that for learning to really uh, matter to a, a learner, to a kid, uh, and to be effective as a teacher, the learning has to be relevant. Uh, in other words, uh, the learner has to care uh, about what they're being taught or what they're being uh, connected to. So I always start with learning has to be relevant. Uh, and then I think, and to make learning relevant, 
uh, what we have to do and what we've learned and what in part we've always known is that we've got to connect the three spheres of a young person's life that matter the most to them. The first sphere is their social world, their, their peers. We've always known that peers matter an, an incredible amount to young people and to all of us. The second sphere that we have to connect is the thing that the learner cares the most about getting better at, what they're interested in. And then the third sphere is the sphere of relevancy, making sure that the social and the interests are connected to either something in the academic world that has payoff or, or career-related or something in their, making their community better, but that those interests in the social, the, the social part is connected to something relevant. And what we found from all of our work is when those three things come together, those three spheres in a kid's life come together, we see kids learning not only the basic kind of skills that are necessary to close the economic gap, but we see them learning what we've begun to call 21st century skills that we know are going to be necessary to solve the complex problems that they're being left with. And so... Uh, so that, to me, that is bringing those three spheres together uh, and, and the payoff in terms of the kinds of skills and capacities that kids learn is at the heart of connected learning. Now, in part, it sounds, ah, we should be able to do that. It sounds not that hard to do, but in the way the 20th century world is organized, those three spheres are really fragmented. And so it actually is, is quite difficult to do. It turns out that uh, there's uh, lots of programs that do one of those things incredibly well. Could be academic. It could be focusing on a kid's interest. Um, there, are, you, there are fewer programs that bring us two of those spheres together. Uh, very, very few bring all three together. The other thing that we've learned uh, is that digital media makes it easier to bring those three spheres together in meaningful ways for young people. And so digital media then has an important role to play, uh, not the most important, but it has a role to play both in bringing the three spheres together, but also in scaling connected learning. Yeah, the difficulty in, in linking those three spheres is, is related to probably my next question, which is, which is this. I mean, you've had a unique view of education for really a lengthy period of time mm -hmm. um, from many different perspectives. It, what is wrong with the current approach to education in your mind? Yeah, that's a loaded question, my friend. I know, um, I know. <laughs> so I think I would highlight uh, three things that I think are problematic with our current approach to education. And let me say the three things, and then I'll, and then I'll go back and, and just say a little bit about each one. I think the first big barrier to making change in education uh, is that we equate uh, education to what happens in a school building. Uh, and we assume that all education slash learning has to happen in that school building. The second problem, I think, with, uh, what, with, the, with our current educational system is that we have narrowed the notion of learning to what we can measure. So it's our approach to accountability, I think, is hugely problematic. And then the third, I have to say, and, and I want to I say this in the right way, uh, and, uh, and the caveat to this is I want to make it really clear that I spent eight years as, a, as an associate professor um, doing teacher preparation. That, that was my focus, in, both in elementary and in secondary. 
and and to a person in the in the thousands of young people that I worked with who wanted to become teachers, I would say to a person, the reason those folks were going into teaching was because they cared about making the lives of young people, the lives of young people better. Um, and I worry I I worry that in our current focus on teachers and the quality of teachers that we have overburdened teachers and made all of education the sole responsibility of the teacher. And so that I say that not to uh, bash teachers in any way, but to say that we are not creating the working conditions and the context for teachers to do what it is they love, which is to really care for kids and to focus on the core things that they are enabled to do well, that we have overburdened them uh, with their task. And I think those three things are hugely problematic. So let me go back to the first one. Our, uh, which is to say uh, we have over-narrowed education to focus on what happens in schools. Our founding fathers, when they created our public education system, were unbelievably uh, thoughtful in that it, our educational system was never meant to be just about schools. They created public libraries, they thought of the family, and they thought of the church, in addition to the schools, as all responsible for educating future citizens. Um, and so it is only actually a 20th, a late 19th century and 20th century phenomenon that we continue to, that we have started really thinking of schools as the only place where we're going to focus our attention on education. We have to step back in the 21st century and really think about and support and build learning ecosystems and understand the networks in which young people are learning. So that's, that, that was the first one. The second one is that we so perseverate on the content uh, that we think kids should know and then measure that with assessments that we have completely lost, we as educators have completely lost what engagement looks like and what uh, learning as a verb looks like. Uh, and so we no longer focus on pedagogy, uh, which is how we teach and the experience that kids have as learners, uh, and we focus only on the content of what they know and completely miss um, the learning experience for young people. Uh, and I worry that we end up asking the wrong questions about learning. And then lastly is uh, this notion of overburdening teachers. And I think we need to step back and really uh, speak more broadly and ask ourselves what is the role of adults not just teachers, but of adults in this broader learning ecosystem for mentoring, supporting, guiding, and teaching young people. I feel bad for the question already because you, know, you and I both know that um, there are many, many teachers and educators that are doing unbelievably awesome things out there. And that's right. that I wasn't getting at that. But so I'll try and make it up with these next, next few questions. <laughs> um, so connected learning come out of all of this work, this research, it has, Thomas, what do you see as the primary challenges for it in order to be implemented to have an impact? Yeah, I think there um, are two really big challenges. One are, uh, and, and I alluded to both of these, one is our assessments. I think uh, two things about our assessments. Our current, as I said, our current assessments focus on content. I think, I think there are real efforts with Smarter Balance and with NAEP uh, and even PISA to move towards uh, performance, which is a really good thing. Um, I think we can do an even better job. Uh, we've been doing, uh, so I think that two things, at least two things have to happen in the shift of assessments. One is uh, that assessments really have to be seen as feedback and have to be integrated into the learning experience 
instead of having assessments that are sort of, that make that uh, interrupt learning. Uh, and, and we've been doing a lot of work. Glass Lab is one of the things that we have funded with the Gates Foundation and with EA Electronic Arts to really experiment with how to integrate assessments into games so that uh, uh, you're just being assessed and getting feedback as, as a fundamental part of all learning. Because all of our research and all of the work we've done uh, tells us that kids, learners love feedback and they love it immediately. Uh, we want feedback on how we're doing. Assessment is not a bad thing. Getting feedback on how one is doing is a wonderful thing. It's how we do it uh, that is problematic. The second thing that is, I think, problematic in the way we do assessments is that we have only allowed a single institution to provide assessments in that school. Uh, and so uh, we have begun working with Mozilla, uh, with the Badge Alliance, with a whole set of other institutions, with Haystack, University of California at Irvine, uh, to build out a whole different infrastructure around micro-credentialing, which we call badges, to really begin to make visible and transparent what young people are learning outside of school so that uh, we can create uh, different kind of pathways and open up the possibility for assessments and feedback to come to learners uh, wherever they're learning. And I just think that's really critical. The second thing is time. Uh, as we've been doing, uh, and you know this, Jeff, as we've been doing some of this connected learning work, uh, uh, some of the educator innovator work, uh, the maker parties with both with Mozilla and with the National Writing Project and um, with many others, uh, we have found a hunger amongst teachers uh, to be learners just as the young people are. Uh, and to begin to really have the opportunity to take the incredible things that they're already doing. I mean, many teachers are doing extraordinary things in their classrooms um, and would love to have the time, and this is what I think is the real challenge, is time. Time and support. How do we provide adults, whether they're librarians or curators in museums or after-school practitioners and teachers, to have the time to work together to learn about the new technologies and, and, and to have the time to think and to rethink and to remix and to take what they're already doing in wonderful ways and to have the opportunity to make it even better. And so I think creating these professional learning uh, contexts that are just ongoing uh, and connect into their daily work lives is a real challenge for the future and that provide adults with time uh, so that they can, uh, really begin to uh, be a part of this 21st century connected learning approach. If connected learning spreads, um, what, what in your view happens? What, what, what are the benefits? Um, what, what kinds of things that are in yes. the system that need updating get updated? Where, you know, where, do we, where do we see some real progress? Yeah, so for me at the heart of all of this is that uh, I really worry that we have a bit of a singular pathway to success. Um, and I think more than, and, and that singular pathway works for some kids and, and doesn't work for others. And I really want at the end of the day uh, in making learning more relevant as we implement connected learning that we are creating the opportunity for everybody to participate in learning and that we're creating more pathways for more youth to opportunities uh, in academics and career and in community engagement. And the more pathways uh, with supports that we can create, uh, the more we've upgraded the, the learning system. 
And that's really at the end of the day when we're trying to make learning more relevant. It's about creating engaged learning uh, with pathways to, to real outcomes that are relevant both to the learner and to society. So just as sort of a, a, a closing personal note here as we're getting towards the end of the, of the time, uh, I mean, just in the time I've known you, Connie, you've invested just a ton of energy and creativity and passion into this mission, you know, to reimagine learning. Uh, it's not an easy fight. It's not an easy space. And so I'm just curious, sort of what, you know, what keeps you going on, you know, difficult days and in difficult moments? Um, a couple things. Uh, one is, uh, I think the most important thing is the community. I think that the folks that are engaged in this, uh, we have our DML conference, uh, I, in the um, Thursday webinars. I just think that uh, uh, you and others have been creating, all of us have been just creating an extraordinary community of people that are doing just extraordinary work. And it's, it's really that community that, that keeps me going. The second thing, um, as a result of the community and the extraordinary work that's going on, in 19, I used to teach history of education. In 1980, there was a report that came out that set a nation at risk and really was a hand-wringer in terms of talking about the state of the educational system in the 1980s. When I see this work unfolding and I see the kids learning and I see uh, how uh, through connected learning we can provide kids with access to pathways and to opportunities, and I see the opportunities to enable everybody to participate, I feel like that we're in a moment when it can be a nation of opportunity and not a nation at risk. Uh, and I just feel like we're at a time of transformation and a time of real opportunity um, for both teachers, adults, parents, uh, and for the kids. And that's, I just, I think that's, uh, I think we're in a really powerful moment as long as we're asking the right questions um, and engaging together. Uh, that feels like a fantastic place to stop, at least for now, until the next time we catch up with you, uh, wherever you are in your travels. Uh, Connie, thanks so much for the time and the insight and just sharing, um, you know, the the um, things you have learned and just, uh, I think, helping to get the word out about the work and the people in the community that are behind the work. Thanks so much. Thank you, sir. Thanks for joining us here at the Connected Learning Alliance. If you missed any of this conversation or want to listen to more discussions, check out our website at clalliance.org or subscribe to our podcast channel on iTunes. See you back here for more talks with change makers and thought leaders who are building the next generation of learning.